This is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I am your host, Eric Anthony. This is episode 263, a spider chat with my pal, Dave Molyneux. Stupid planet we're living on right now. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's do it. Yes, welcome to the Cave of Solitude, everybody. Me and Dave, Maul and you are having one of our powwows that um, we want to go down a list, I think, of, of some good ones, some good characters to do this for. This was actually your idea, so I give you the credit. Was it? I thought it was yeah. you. Uh, I think it was. <laughs> I, I, I think it was initially yours, and then I just picked the character. And what we're gonna do today, because we're trying to make um, our conversations specifically uh, very new reader friendly to the medium of comic books and and um, just graphic novels, whatever you want to call them. So because we got Spider-Man No Way Home or what's it called? I don't even know. No way home. Oh, people's right? time. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I'm you're, not gonna see it. I don't. You're, you're not gonna watch it. Okay, that's a good way to start. We're gonna talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm if, only kidding. I don't know if I'm gonna see. It. Yeah, I I think you will. I think you will. At some point. At some point, you got to give it. A, yeah, at some point, at some point, I probably will. So we're gonna do a, a new reader-friendly Spider-Man chat. Where I'm not sure how you came up with your list or or how we have these lists set up, but. I don't think I'm going to give you my favorite Spider-Man stories, necessarily. I'm going to try uh-huh. to do things that if you've never read Spider-Man before or you haven't read Spider-Man in a long time and you want to jump back in, what are some good jumping in points regardless of my attachment to the character? That's how I try to approach it. How about you? Pretty much the same. Um, it's like we've said, said on previous in previous conversations where like as much as Craven the, uh, uh, Craven's Last Hunt is a fantastic story should you start with Craven's Last Hunt? No. Right. Um, so there's, there's plenty but... of great stories but it doesn't mean it's a good place to kind of especially if you're dipping your toe in for the first time Yeah. don't dip into like the overly heavy stuff or the, or the confusing stuff or there's plenty of places you could you could jump in. Yeah. Agreed. And maybe build to some of those better stories and then really appreciate them even more. Yes, I agree. You got to have a, there's certain things about certain characters and I think specifically Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, where a little bit of the connection to characters and, and how he interacts with them matters and how you'll interact with the story and where he is in life. And that's the cool yeah. thing about Spider-Man is that there he is a character for the most part or for a good maybe chunk of time, 40 years, where you grew with him for a while. Yeah. You were in, in, in the aging slowed, right? He, he was aging pretty quickly from the 60s into the set. Like it was almost felt like real time. Then it slows down, but he's still going through adulthood. He's no longer a, just a boy, which I think is one of the... the charming things about this character specifically so it's good to know like those little tidbits of well th- this is why he's feeling this way towards that person now 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to have a couple of one-off questions in regards to Spider-Man before we get into our list. Maybe we'll mix them in between. So what's your first... What's your first memory of the character? My first memory of the character was not in a comic, um, as it is for a lot of people, I guess. I think it was somewhere between toys. Yeah. Like I had a weird Spider-Man toy that was stood with one fist above his head and another fist kind of, so he was almost making an S with his arms. Um, It was kind of very village people. And then he had this um, thread thing that he would, he could zoom down but he didn't really move. So it was just this very solid 12-inch figure. And I loved it. I was fascinated by this, by Spider-Man from that. But I don't know if that came before or after Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Okay. Um, which I actually, it was either, there was a solo Spider-Man cartoon and then Spider-Man and his amazing friends and they were in fairly quick succession, I think. Um, and they had Mysterio in it. And like it was those villains. Those, but his villains are just really cool and odd because a lot of them are, created by Steve Ditko and Steve Ditko like doing weird shit so but like immediately Mysterio fascinated me I yeah. just I love that bowl head with the eyes holding his cape on and yeah like, oh that's just such a cool visual and then I think really in terms of comics I didn't I didn't read anything I remembered well until Secret Wars so I saw him amongst the others but he stood out because he's the fun one he's you know it doesn't matter how heavy things get even if he's just making jokes because he feels awkward and uncomfortable, he's the fun guy. Yeah. You know, the Avengers are the heavy ones, the X-Men are the dull ones, the Hulk wants to be left alone. Spider-Man's just kind of going, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trying to make the best of it, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I for me, um, Spider-Man is the, maybe the most relatable fictional character in all of media for me. There's just something about the not that I'm into spiders or I have the proportionate strength of one. It's just the guy. Everything you described about him is how I feel a lot of the time. Where yeah. you just whatever you feel you have ability to do for someone to just make their day better, I feel like I have that sort of chore to do in a good way. Makes me happy. Yeah. But it's just kind of like some people see it like that's your burden in life. And Spider-Man loves being Spider-Man, but he also it's the burden in his life too. And I just I just think hot take. I'm gonna have a lot of hot takes in this episode. Um, sorry, I keep hitting my desk and it rattles. Sorry, everybody, for the rattling. Uh, I think he's. He, remember, we were talking about DC and Marvel, kind of comparing the two. Yeah. And yeah. I I felt like DC has evergreen titles that you could just pick up read it once put it away you don't got to get into their universe necessarily to enjoy it and i felt like that's yeah. a strong point of dc whereas marvel not so much i don't feel it has that sort of uh, publishing to them the same way but i don't think there is a more evergreen character than spider-man just from beginning publishing to even to where he is now whether you like everything that's been done he's just an evergreen character that when you get back into him you feel like you're putting on a pair of old shoes that are comfortable yeah they're on i mean what's the closest next equivalent i can't think of one people always put you know batman batman batman's the best batman i think spider-man's better and I've named my 
podcast after Batman and Superman. <laughs> Spider Man, Sp- Spider Man's the best superhero comic book character, I think. Whether it, from a subjective and objective point of view, because he's got the humor, he's got the remorse, he's got you could go dark, you can go bright. It's he's got everything to it. You can bury him alive, or you could just have him swinging, <laughs> or you could just have him swinging through a beautiful sunny day in New York fighting the rhino. Like there's just he's got everything. You can make him a comic strip and he fits. Yeah. You know, or you can and put that, him in a horror that, and he fits. That's yeah, he's so versatile. I mean, that's why Marvel Team Up kind of works. Right. Not that I'm giving away anything here because I definitely <laughs> haven't put Marvel. Um, but it does kind of work as a fun thing because in that he's literally teaming up with people in all different situations. Yeah. And he just he's he's kind of a fish out of water kind of guy. He's he's trying to just like say kind of figure it out. Um, trying to make the best of it, trying to have fun. He's trying to live up to responsibilities that some of us have, whether we want to acknowledge them or not. But he's also just trying to kind of be upbeat, try and get through it, see the positive. Um, That's why I was kind of fascinated with the, like, who, which, they did this whole thing with, um, what was it in, Kill Bill? Which one is, who's the real Superman? Like, Clark Kent is the the mask, they said. And I remember reading someone, and like, you know, Superman's the real guy and Clark Kent's the mask, whichever way around they did it. I remember someone saying, actually, that's not remotely true because he was Clark Kent forever. Like, Spider-Man and Peter Parker are quite different characters. Like, I've been able to really relate to that. Like, yeah. if you go through some really heavy stuff, like he did go through some really heavy stuff, and whether you've experienced similar heavy stuff or not, it's almost like irrelevant. The day-to-day can be not always the cheeriest. It can be boring. It can be just horrible things going on around in the world. But he puts on that mask, yeah, and he gets out there and kind of adventures for a bit. And that's kind of like his escapism. And we all do, I think, to a degree, sometimes put on a mask. You know, we, we pretend everything's kind of a little, a little bit better than it is. And it does help us feel better in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's just a really nice metaphor for that character. Yeah. No, you're you're 100% right. And it's a character that I've always liked. He was always the Marvel character that I put up there with my favorite DC. Because I felt, I almost felt he's so unique that he should be a DC character. That's how I felt about him. Very stupid. But... <laughs> But it was it was the one character that there's no answer for. You don't get your fix of this character anywhere else but from Spider-Man. A little bit with Invincible, but yeah, a little bit with Invincible. Yeah, but that's way far down the line of of character history. You know, Batman and Daredevil. One is you know rich. One is the broke version. Essentially, a similar <laughs> character. Tony Stark and, and Bruce Wayne, basically the same same guy. One wears armor, one wears different armor. <laughs> one's in a tower, <laughs> one's in a cave. They're basically, you know, they, they build satellites when they have no business doing it. But there's no other was, Spider-Man. No, that's why, like, the whole idea of him, of him upgrading too much kind of bothers me because he shouldn't, that's not who he is. He needs that adversity. If you give him loads of weapons and fancy armor and stuff, there's no adversity. He is about triumph over adversity, which is the Marvel, the whole Marvel message there, the underdog. He is the ultimate underdog. And that's why I kind of always kind of looked up, if you can look up to a fictional character. I did with him. So I think I just, I like that. I like that you're not letting it beat you and that you're getting on with it and you're going to succeed, even if you like succeed to the point and then it still continues to go wrong for him because it has to because there's stories. Um, but yeah, I like that determination. 
it's just it's a really admirable trait. I think if you can if you can look at a fictional character and go, if I could just be more determined, then that's that's got to be a good thing. Um, and that's kind of what happened. I wanted to be more like Spider Man. God, where are our heroes, man? Hey, no, <laughs> no. <fictional. laughs> yeah, and when I'm um, I haven't read I haven't read a lot of Spider Man for a while, and recently I picked up. Um, I wanted to start from. It, with this in mind, of course, I thought I was gonna—I was more ambitious than than pff, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. But I was reading Roger Stern, uh, the Omnibus. I never read his spectacular Spider-Man stuff, which was like a primer, getting you ready for what he might do if he took on the book later. Um, and that was—that was—they were fun, but they took their time and they were of its time. So I jumped ahead to you know some of the stuff we'll talk about on this show today and uh, it's it's fun when you get back into it's like oh yeah yeah that's that's what i like i remember this i love this it's like that old show that you go back to that you remember oh this is that comfort food like this is the i can keep watching this and i'm happy i think that's the important thing to remember as well it's like this isn't necessarily about consistent greatness exactly it's just about Having fun reading some stories, whether it's it's almost like chewing gum. Yes. You know, yes. Really good tasting chewing gum. Yeah. But it's chewing gum. It's, it's pop, you know. It's it, it's not going to blow your mind. It's not going to break the bank. It's not going to you know, change your worldview. Although it, I say it does. that. And I've said sometimes that he inspired me. So it's, yeah. it's not remotely true, is it? It's, <laughs> that's And that's exactly the point with this character. Is he has that. I've read that with what I've read recently, there's been these like. Oh, this is just hitting exactly where I am right now in life. This is what I need. And then at the same time, it's just popcorn. It, it's, yeah. it's a very interesting balance. And it's, uh, yeah. So Spider-Man ranks high for you, clearly. Very, yeah. I, I own a Spider-Man costume. I, I saw a photo. You did? Oh, God. It's not very pleasant, is it? You um, actually look really like Peter Parker. You actually looked like Peter Parker in that picture with a cigarette in his mouth, but I was like, that's a badass <laughs> yeah, Peter <I'm> Parker. <laughs> God, I forgot about that picture, actually. Um, yeah, I, I had to get a Spider-Man outfit. I had, But that's the other thing as well, like you don't know who's under the mask. That There is yeah. a great story, and one of the things that we will talk about, um, about not knowing who's under the mask, and it could be anyone. And that is another thing that makes Spider-Man, if not Peter Parker, makes Spider-Man more relatable. You know, it could be, obviously, it's going to be a guy. Yeah. But under the mask could be anyone of any background, any race, any any color, you know. That's another thing that makes him relatable. Like, that's because with Superman, he's a square-jawed, dark-haired, good-looking dude, full of muscles. And Spider-Man's not even muscular. He's spindly. And, yeah. And you know he's awkward, socially awkward. And not most of us who read comics... Yeah, he really is. He really is your every every man. He's your everyday guy. That yes. that uh, the metaphor of him buried underneath rubble, buried underneath the machine, and he gets out of it because of the people he loves. Like that's a good person to try to be like. It really is. Yeah, yeah. and it's probably what you would do. Yeah. Well, else can you be inspired by? But the people that you know that drive you on. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas everyone else would go, I need to prove that I'm a hero. Like he doesn't. Right. That's not no. what he's. Most people don't like him. The police don't trust him. He gets shot at a lot. 
such a cool character. And yeah. he's he's such a limited character in that he needs to be in a city for him to really work, <laughs> yeah. right? Like he's not the guy you're going to take to a fight in the middle of the desert. That's not your guy. No. But they do, I love it when they do that. Yeah. You know, they still yeah. do that. So they've got that story where he is in a desert. They've got a story where he goes to the suburbs and he can't swing. Yeah. Um, that sounds like sure there are a lot of swingers in the suburbs. But <laughs> it's a different thing. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. He doesn't, he doesn't bring his keys. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 true. It, and again, when you put him in those scenarios, it's like this in itself is an interesting story. He's got nothing to thwip to. How does he get back? And then you, you take it into another medium. Like we have not touched five yet, have we? But you take it into another medium. It's like when they did that PlayStation game. Yeah, you can fly in some games or whatever. You can fly as anybody almost. But when you web swing as oh, Spider-Man in any I, of those games, I defy you not to be made up. My favorite. It's those are my so favorite. Good. So good. I just started Miles Morales uh, last night. And yeah? Yeah, I just love it. It's the reason why I bought a PS4 to begin with. I wanted to play. I needed to play Spider Man, and it's the reason I want a PS4. Yeah, it's worth. I haven't it's, played any of it. Oh man, you're right. The the this particular game, um, complete tangent. We'll get into our list, but this particular <laughs> game, it's so close to what like what New York City feels like if you know it where you're you you yeah. said that i'm at that i've been at this intersection wow yeah like so it's, it's really going for there's a couple streets missing of course but you get you really get new york city and you can like web all the way up to the top of avengers tower right and you just sit up there and just look at the whole city then it's free fall dive and your controller's just you feel and then that it's 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 a rush when you play it. Yeah, it's it's. Sorry, I don't mean. I'm not a gamer. I'm just gonna order. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm I not want this game. That for that is I'll, I'll continue buying these things to play it. I'm ordering it now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford it right now. It's Christmas. Yeah, that was gonna be like that is a baller move. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into this list of of stories, and then as we go on, we'll throw in a couple of our other you know favorite things of Spider-Man. So. Uh, lead the way oh god thanks um <laughs> okay funny well as soon as we already mentioned it um the roger stern run is where i want to start um so i think most a lot of people not most people a lot of people started reading the roger stern run of amazing spider-man with 238 which is the first appearance of the hobgoblin it's a great cover and the things like, like obviously that's the first time anyone had seen that's the first appearance of the hobgoblin he's kind of shadowed on the front to be honest it's not the best cover ever um no. but there is something kind Famous. of cool about it yes at the same time it's john romita jr is when he was still early days so it's like was it just it was just before his um uncanny x-men yeah. Run. So he didn't have that very defined, kind of blocky, almost Pixar, um, the guy from Up. Kind yeah. of hand. Everyone's got the, the yeah. square hands on a lot of the later stuff, but I still like, I, still, I love Romita Jr. Um, but yeah, it was his earlier stuff. And he, you, if you start before that, I know that she's around 224, that's when Roger Stern jumps on. Um, and if you, rather than just scooting on ahead, um, Sorry, I did actually try and make a note. I've got so many notes. <laughs> um, rather than scooting on ahead and going to that Hobgoblin issue, 
but there are so many other little stories that are just nice Spider-Man stories, like um, where he tried to bring the black cat into his life and make her kind of bounce off him in a very, almost like a love interest rather than a villain. And like what a bad influence she is. Like, like she is a bad influence on him. She's a thief. But then it's all about him being swayed more towards her and as she's being swayed more to him and they're kind of, it's where they kind of meet in the middle. I thought she was a much more interesting love interest for him than anybody. She is, she, for me, is the one for him. And people go, with MJ, I don't care. <laughs> black cat. I love him with the black cat because she is just bad for him. And that's the kind of thing I think like, we've, I say we've all done, a lot of us have done it we've made the wrong decision there, but you can't, doesn't mean you go, Oh, this was, this isn't working out. I'm going to just stop. It's not, it's not good for me. Just carry on. Yeah. She's, she's got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's, yeah. And it's fun. Cause it's bad. Yeah. And it's great. And then you, you've got the juggernaut issues, the two part with the juggernaut where so good. I've been in a situation similar to that. And basically it inspired that moment. I got picked on by this massive kid when I was at school at one point and decided to show me up and this is i'm confessing this is like a therapy for me <laughs> um this huge kid would, would give me grief i thought he was like three years older than me at the top of the school he was in my year but he yeah. was just massive and one day he just kind of went like, we're, we're gonna fight and i responded i retaliated by diving around and making jokes at him i made fun of him to the point where the fact that he was way bigger than me way stronger than me and everyone was laughing at him work in my favor and for that thanks roger stern and thank you amazing spider-man 229 to 230 because i probably would have lost that <laughs> that's amazing that no pun intended okay pun <laughs> intended that's spectacular that's a great story <laughs> no really because it makes you realize yeah. that that uh these stories that capture the imaginations of us when we're kids if you are that puny parker right what, yeah. what, uh, so many of spider-man's fights that's what makes and that story i think it's a great story because it's when he has no chance what does he do and it's just it's yeah he's just a thinker and he and he yeah. uses humor to get through the shit and it's yeah. like it, it makes you it just for life right the truth is in the humor the cope coping is in the the laughter you have even in a bad like for you, you you want to fight because you got people laughing. Yeah, you saved your ass. That's the joke. I didn't even really need to fight, and that's the thing. He didn't really need to fight. I'm not a fighter. Look right. at me, cheers. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I was ten stone for years. I literally couldn't put on weight. I didn't put on muscle. But I wasn't interested in it. I just literally wanted to read comics, and then this kid kicks off. This this guy wanted to be my friend afterwards. It's such a <laughs> That's you awesome. me. You won. Like, <laughs> this isn't how I thought this would go. <laughs> that's fantastic. I but yeah, that. I mean, that's to, to be inspired by that. And like, that's from reading comics, man. That's, that's like, I had the bully situation, the ultimate bully situation. And I got out of it in a way that didn't involve a punch up. Yeah. That's so cool. What a, yeah. So Roger Stern, you, you, um, is that your first pick, or you got you want to elaborate? It's my first more? pick. I mean, I mean, just to kind of expand on it, you get the Hobgoblin. There's that arch. Oh, one of my favorite Spider-Man covers of all time, which is amazing. Spider-Man 241 with the Vulture, and it's really simple, but it's the Spider-Man logo on the Vulture's body, like his like you know shines that light from his belt. Um, and it's got the eyes across his belly, and he's got his wings up, 
and they're red. Okay, it's not the greatest cover of all time, but it is really pleasing. Mm. And that again kind of sums Spider-Man up. But if you stick with that, Stern jumps off around about two fifty-one. I think where he goes to Secret Wars. And if you if you're happy to carry on and find out who the Hulk that is, great. So I mean, like as a jumping-on point, you've got a lot to play with there. Even if you only stay with Amazing and you don't dip into those other titles. Yeah, that's a good. It was on my list as well. I'm a big fan of that run. Uh, confession, I haven't read all of the Stan Lee 100-plus issues of Spider-Man. Um, I've read quite a few of them, but it's it's a task to go and read those to some extent because it's very they're very yeah. wordy. It's very of its time, and you get everything you need with the character there, but I, I'm not an expert in all of that. However, something like Roger Stern... Stern's run. I bring up Stan Lee to say that he really captures the charm of that original intent of the character. I feel Roger up to that point, Jerry Conway and probably Roger Stern were the best people to follow Stan at that point. Like you get, you yeah. get, you get the real essence of the character, and he's not using um, all the usual suspects. He has a thing for the Vulture. There's a lot of the Vulture there. There is a lot of vulture. Yeah. He loves the vulture, but he, uh, the hobgoblin is a, a character, you know, whole cloth, and you don't know much about him other than he's a goblin. Yeah. But there's no connection to Osborne, and you, and he's almost more of a threat. He's he's much more like he's not kind of crazy psycho like the Green no, Goblin with their personality. Right, he's an evil bastard. Like right. he's just. He's got an agenda. He knows what he wants to do. Spider-Man is annoyance to him, so he wants him dead. Yeah. Like, no mucking about with this guy, even if he is dressed in orange and blue. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. But he's still really cool. Like, what a great... I have the figure of that from the Secret Wars line oh, from the 80s. Nice. nice. And you get the glider with it. And, yeah. like, but when I saw... Because I don't think... Oh, no, I did see the Green Goblin in the Spider-Man cartoons we were talking about. But Hulk Goblin, Goblin to me was just way better like you have the hood and the yeah. his face is kind of orange he wasn't just called a green goblin like that's just seemed a bit to me yeah, yeah. um but hobgoblin has a nastier sound to it yeah it's somehow. a little sinister yeah there's just, yeah for sure that was a good that was a great era of spider-man the 80s were i adore spider-man in the 80s great pick um, yeah, pick up that if you if you are ambitious. There's a whole omnibus of everything that was written by Roger Stern and the John Romita Jr. art in it is some of my favorite. Hot take that JRJR or later on JRJR for Spider Man. <sighs> I know. Do you know what? There is a run in here that I was gonna. I was, what I was gonna say to you was she was talking about the Stan Lee stuff. I'm not gonna talk about any runs that I haven't read. Yes, me neither. Um, and I've I've never read the early stuff. I've never read the, the Ditko stuff. And like, if you're doing a Marvel Comics card, people probably assume you've read all the old. Nope, I don't get on with a lot of the '60s material. I never really have. Um, so I don't know. I, I had the Omnibus Amazing Spider-Man Volume One Omnibus, and then I I had it for about two or three years, and I sold it. Still not read it. Um, but yeah, there was what was I gonna say? there was one run with John Romita Jr., which was after the Clone Saga. And it nearly made this list. Um, and it was Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And Howard Mackey. And Howard Mackey, in that part of his time on Spider-Man, before they did the 1998-99 relaunch, 
was it was good fun classic bordering into that kind of like stern inspired territory with one issue with and it's a lot most of it's drawn by jr jr and, and he's there's one issue where he gets vertigo so it's almost like the um castaway spider-man issue but he's stuck on the side of a building and jr jr is basically 22 pages of him going like i'm i'm really freaking dizzy and i'm stuck on the side of a building and and I'm not fighting anybody right now. <laughs> There's no other plot going on. It's just him going, how do I get off the side of this building? I think like, that sounds boring. And I loved it because they did something different. You know, I think it still worked. Was it outstanding? I'll probably read it now and go, uh, <laughs> okay. But it, it was fun. It was a fun era. And and I think that was when JR Jr.'s later style really started to come in. It started to come in heavier, I think during his early 90s X-Men, but very much so on the Clone Saga issues of Spider-Man. And I, I love it. I love the blockiness of it. That, that's J.R. Jr. to me. Yeah. And I really like I really like his stuff. Yeah. It makes me happy. Me too. I'm, I'm very much in the same camp as you. I don't know which one I like more, but... Well, yeah, we'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, shall I proceed? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, for a person who wants to pick up a Spider-Man story and kind of get the uh, kind of the greatest hits, but uh, something something that really captures the the essence of the character in, in a in a easy digestible chunk, I would say Spider-Man Blue from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. I know you're not the biggest fan of that duo on everything they do, but I like those colored uh, titled series. The Daredevil Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, yeah, Hulk, Gray. Hulk Gray, Captain America White. I've never read Captain America White. Oh, I read the other three. Yeah, but I, I just Spider-Man feel, One is the strongest, I think. I think so, too. It's one of the earliest episodes that we've done for this podcast. I actually got my wife to read it because she's she likes Spider-Man, but she doesn't. So I'm always trying to like sell her on Spider-Man. So we read that, and... It just kind of it's a great time capsule of of Spider-Man yeah. to kind of see why why does he do what he what he does what where does his pain come from and where does where does he get his healing from like the the what does he love and who loves him you know and it just it really I feel makes you feel his pain and loss for Gwen and Uncle Ben, but also he it makes you understand why he loves MJ so much and why she's it, it it reinforces like that's the one for him in a way. Does a good job of that. I think it did a better job than the actual issues did at the time. Yeah. Because the, when you read the issues at the time, which was the original Clone Saga, the 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 Jackal stuff with the Punisher and you know, they they were building up this clone, they they kind of they brought back a Gwen Stacy clone. Yes, they brought her into the mix, and they—it was kind of uncomfortably written. And I think I, I have a soft spot when it's done well. I have a real soft spot for people that go, "That was an era that had some greatness to it, but it could have just done with a little bit of polish and a bit of tweak, and maybe handling some bits better, especially with the modern mindset." And Spider-Man Blue, it does—it does that. It handles it more sensitively. And when you think of some of the, the Jeff Loeb stuff, where you go, "God, Jeff, like." seriously what are you thinking it's like you have no feeling jeff 
what's wrong with you? He's just like with his Hulk run is emotionless. Um, but just behemoths beating on each other, but it should be like, cause that's what he intended to do. That's fine. But actually like between yellow, between dead or yellow and Spider-Man blue, I think he just handled it incredibly well. There's not necessarily a huge amount of action. It is about character. It's more about him without the mask. Yeah. From what I remember. And that's the other, that's the other part of it, especially when you talk to people who you like comics, like, why can, how can you keep reading Spider-Man stories? How interesting can it be? It's like, cause it's not about Spider-Man. It's about Peter Parker. Right. Who, who is Spider-Man? <laughs> right. You know? It's, it's not the same. That's not the same thing. Yeah. You're always with him. It's, it's this character that you just, you don't get tired of being around as bad as his day might be going. You want to go on that journey with him. And then when he runs into a friend and you're like, oh no, he's got to deal with that guy now. What's he going to say? And it's like, man, okay, let's, oh good. You're going to go swing through the city. Yeah. Let's, let's just leave everybody behind. Like you're always following Peter, even when he's Spider-Man, he's, he's talking from Peter's point of view. Yeah. So you're just one that's really yeah Sorry, cool. no go ahead I was just in, it's just in support of that basically the, um i was going to say there's this thing and it's a recurring thing um but it's not necessarily one of the most highlighted tropes i think of spider-man that people talk about but there's always this thing of like whether you cut to his friends and they're going that guy like oh god like why is he we love him why is he so unreliable doesn't he care about us like what yeah and it's that that you, sometimes you know as well from a relatability point of view, and it might be paranoia, but you get people who misunderstand your intentions. They don't know what you've got going on. Yeah. And you're seeing that play out from that side of things. And you're going, okay, if only he could just be honest about what, what was going on with him, but he doesn't feel like he can. And it's just, there's that tragedy to it. Yes. And it's just like a small, it's a small, it's not like a Gwen Stacy no, level tragedy. It's a day to day thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally. hurts his, his standing with the people who he loves the most. Yes, that he's got this feeling of responsibility. That's that. That's oh, it's upsetting, but it's it's key to that character. And it's so, it's so. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but when he can let someone in on the secret, you're like, oh, thank goodness he can. Someone understands, or like, thank goodness that they'll have his back now. Yeah, there's that you you're it, it, you almost feel like you have someone that you can share the secret with too. It's it's yeah. a, it's a it's special moment. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I don't know, getting into the psychology of the character. So, Spider-Man Blue is what the story's called. Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. It's if you haven't read Spider-Man in a while, or if you want to read a Spider-Man story for the first time and see if you like the character, I think that's that that that'll be a good testing ground definitely uh your That's next good choice pick. actually oh. i hadn't thought of that That's a really good choice okay okay i'm happy you approve marvel comic guy guy <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead next okay up for you um a non-amazing spider-man run okay um so it's the second so Spider-Man had, what, four four main titles for a long time? Amazing, Spectacular, Web, just Spider-Man. And then, and then it had Spider-Man Unlimited. Unlimited, and then you had yep. some of the miniseries, oh. and you had all that stuff. So 1990, 
I can't believe I can't remember the year. I did a whole piece on this recently. Um, it was 1999. They relaunched. So they stopped Amazing Spider-Man. It's one of the earliest relaunches they did. They'd just done it with Avengers, yeah. Fantastic Four, after Heroes Reborn. And then they did it with Spider-Man. So they dropped two of the titles. They just had Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And it was terrible. It was, it was John Byrne, and he was trying to bring it back to basics. Don't read that. So skip ahead. <laughs> so none of the new chapter stuff is is worthwhile. Oh, it's so bad. I've like, never it's read so it. So bad. I've I've I was very close to buying all three of them at a comic con because I just wanted to have all of Spider Man, uh, like available to me. I have it digitally, but I've never read it, and I've never had any, I've never had any sort of positive reinforcement to even bother. I know a lot of people badmouth the Clone Saga. It's for whatever, you know, however you may feel about the Clone Saga. I think there are some some highlights in there. There are some bits that work for me. JR Junior jumping on at one point, and Ben in the costume. The costume is really cool. And also, there is not. I can't tell you anything good about the Burn stuff. There's nothing. So Howard Mackey had just done that fantastic run on Amazing on Peter Parker. They relaunched, and he was basically John Burns lackey. And it kind of ruins his standing with it. So they dropped, or he left, or they dropped him, or whatever happened. And they got Paul Jenkins with issue 20. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, issue 20, upwards. It's, again, it's not necessarily the greatest Spider-Man stories ever told. But there's some really just incredibly pleasing comics. He faces some crap villains in there as, as Paul Jenkins tries to introduce like, characters like typeface who has he's got letters drawn all over his face and he throws letters to people <laughs> he's crap but that's kind of the point people go this character is crap he's meant to be crap look at him he's called typeface <laughs> um, there was this fusion guy who could mimic superpowers I think he wasn't meant to be crap he was a bit crap but I think it was did that kind of tipping point where they brought back Mary Jane after they tried to kind of kill her off in a plane explosion. Mm-hmm. Mm. They brought her back during that run. So there's a little crossover in the middle, but he does this incredible four-part Green Goblin storyline. Just reminding myself of the issue. It was, oh, it was Peter Parker's yes. Spider-Man 44 to 47. With Ramos. Yes, I definitely. That, I, I did a... Sorry to interrupt you. I did... I think I did listed that on my top five favorite spider-man stories episode that nice. I did. yeah a couple of years ago cool. we did one of those so yes i i know what you're talking about it's a good one very good one yeah they're really nice and the thing is like, i know it goes up to he's definitely on it to 50 i think there was some switches around with zeb wells filling in for some issues okay. up to the end of the series and then they relaunched it with as spectacular spider-man it didn't quite work as well but the the 20 to 50 run Again, it's like some of it is just, there's a whole thing about um, he's sharing a flat with Randy Robertson, I think it is, and he's got a little lump of cheese who he's named. And people are going, we need to do, like, have this piece of cheese as a recurring character. Because uh, that's literally always got in his fridge. They went back to the basics of him, you know, buried, they weren't divorced. He wasn't divorced, but he was essentially single, but kind of not looking. So it was the down and out, I mean, living in a cruddy flat. Right. I haven't got any money. Right. I'm walking around in my pants and socks an awful lot. <laughs> um, and nothing's going right. And it's like going back to that classic without it feeling too forced. 
Mm. And then, they, yeah, they had those moments of real greatness with like that Hobgoblin story. Oh, there's one issue where he's literally just sat with Aunt May talking about old times and they're going through photo albums. Like, surely that's boring. It's just not. Those, it's are, the best, those are the best issues. Those are the best. Yeah. With, you know, X-Men and Avengers play baseball or whatever and people love those yeah. issues. Those ones for Spider-Man where he sits and just reminisces, the best. Yeah. It's lovely. It's really nice stuff. And and, and um, a lot of that run as well as Mark Buckingham, who was the artist on Fables. And I love Mark Buckingham. I nearly met him at uh, the only Comic-Con I've ever been to. And he just wasn't at his table. And I kept going away and coming back. I don't know what I was thinking I was going to say to him. Um, but I love his stuff. Like, I think he was kind of more famous at one point for inking Chris, Chris Picciolo or Chris Picciolo. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um <laughs> Surprise, I don't know how you pronounce it. Hey, no one can get my name right, so I don't care anymore. Um, but yeah, I love his art. It's There's a purity to it. There's a joyfulness to it. Like people's smiles, when, when he draws someone smiling, he only draws the corners of their mouth a lot of the time where they've got, little, they've got their eyes shut. It's so little detail, yeah. but it feels really genuine and it kind of just gets you. Yeah. But, oh. So that's my number two. They should, they should definitely find that put that in some type of collection because i have the um light in the darkness trade that has portions of that, that like a, a good chunk of that run in there but oh. you, you don't got all of it you know there isn't a place to get all of that good stuff and you always hear very good things about it you do what's weird as well like by so he jumped on at number 20 by number 30 Joe Michael Straczynski had jumped onto Amazing Spider-Man and everyone talks about the Amazing Spider-Man issues, the JMS issues. Yeah, that's the one that I recognise that, that Kerry Andrews cover with those two kissing. Yeah. I love Kerry Andrews. Um, yeah. It's just, it's great stuff but it's been just forgotten and like they collected JMS about th two or three times in Omnis and in thick trades thin trades and but it's just it's largely forgotten uh the jenkins run which is a real shame because they're lovely comics yeah i've i've uh i've read portions of it because they would release them in these you know scattered trades and you didn't know what the order was when the book had restarted because of you know all of the shuffling of of staff at that time and writers but mm -hmm. uh yeah for those who want to get a chunk of that a light in the darkness spider-man uh, paperback trade trade paperback i don't know what the right term is uh you'll yeah, you'll you'll get yeah. a good chunk of it there about 14 issues 14 15 issues of it it's found oh there. that's pretty good yeah so you'll get some good stuff in that um i i mean i just was reading it the j michael straczynski run with john ramita jr up to yeah. that point after that, enter at your own risk. But if you if you haven't read Spider Man in a long time and you want something that captures him as an adult, um, and and the story moves forward in a way where the character is changed and affected, that is a great. For me, I think that's a very strong era of of the character. Consistent, where I feel the way I th I th I think it's the JRJR art that really dictated the tone and quality of that book when you look back at it. Because I think J. Michael Straczynski was writing to the artist because when he gets Mike Diodato on there, the 
Not it's not all bad. It's not all bad. It's just that the choices oh, yeah. made are like, what are you doing? Why? The tone yeah. shifts very heavily. Heavily, almost like a new yeah. writer comes onto the book. Wow, Did it's you... been a while since I've read it. It, it, <clears throat> but it, I remember being turned off by it. But I mean, I, I like my dear, dear Dato. Me too. Um, I really love his stuff, and like you get him on the right series. Like he did the um, a lot of the Bruce Jones stuff on Hulk. Okay. And it was perfect. Like, it was so good. It, it was Stuart Eminem, and then you follow by Mike um, Mike D with the master plan jumps on <laughs> after that, and it just works, you know. But I don't know. It's just, I think it's just too. It's too dark for Spider-Man, and at least in a consistent way. Do a couple of dark stories, yeah, great. I don't know, it just didn't work for me. No. But yeah, I think John Romita Jr. I think I don't know what it. it why does it work? He's just. I mean, this sounds like a, a silly thing to say, but he was born to draw Spider-Man. I know yeah. his dad was the guy who kind it's of really. Blood. Sit, yeah, it's in his blood. And his dad is often people's favorite Spider-Man artist of all time. It's so iconic. It's that romanticized, good-looking version of Spider-Man when he starts, you know, dating and things kind of, I don't know, the character transitions a a little bit when he comes on, almost like it's a new character, but it matured properly. Yeah. He got out of the ugly duckling stage. Yeah. Right? That's true, actually. When John Sr. comes on. But his son is just like all versions of his his spider-man i find like i'll it just feels right yeah this is spider-man just feels yeah. right whenever he's drawing them i think there's some people that said they they didn't like him whether they got sick of him being on spider he's on spider-man for a long time on and off on and off yeah um, but i have no complaints i have no Ever. complaints i've seen people go like i'm just sick of his art or i don't like the style like you can't argue with it you can't, you know, not everyone's style is going to make everyone everyone happy. But yeah, I easily, I would say easy for me, easily top five Spider-Man artists. Easily. He's, he's in there. Yeah. For me, he's my number one. If I had to pick a guy who was the only person who's ever going to draw Spider-Man the rest of your life reading him, I would be like, all right. It'd be either him or Mark Bagley for me. Yeah. It's hard to argue Mark Bagley. Just cause... Mark Bagley's such a good storyteller, though, as well. Yeah. And there's that wide-eyed yeah. innocence to part of it as well, mixed with that action, and he's very good at that spindly Spider-Man and moving him through a page and having those emotional scenes. Like, they're all the bits you need to be able to do to draw Spider-Man. Oh, look, you can do all of it. Yeah. Get. Yeah. <laughs> Talented bastard. <laughs> yeah, those are my, my two guys that I think of when it comes to Spider-Man storytelling artwork how he's supposed to look i know there's plenty of iconic and people who are wonderful spider-man artists i like ron friends as well his spider-man is a very good homage to steve ditko but you know uh, with a blend of of john ramita yeah but uh how about for you you got three spider-man artists like if you had to pick three it's hard really because like, there's always going to be someone I go why didn't I think of that and I love them number one is Waringo I can't get it's a shame we'll never get any more Mike Waringo Spider-Man I know. but it's just again it's that positivity there was a it's not, it's not cutesy that's the wrong 
way to phrase it. It's almost like that. It's kind of insulting way of talking about it, but it was kind of sweet. It's cute. It's nice. It feels right about Spider-Man. I like this when he's got the outfit on. When he's Spider-Man, his head is slightly bigger, but when he's Peter Parker, it's not. And I don't care. I don't care if that's inconsistent. He's stylizing it. I right. love it. I love Mike Waringo's Spider-Man. Probably, yeah. I think more than any other character that he's drawn, and yeah, any other artist on Spider-Man is, is perfect to me. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, Romita Chini's probably number two. Interesting. We agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, this is a moment. <laughs> yeah, the um, and the thing too, going back to the JMS run, as controversial as it becomes, and in my opinion arguably two of the worst spider-man stories he's got his name attached to possibly sorry same Rubens genius no uh, j michael straczynski oh j michael yeah i mean the editorial interference on those i'm not 100 percent. i can't remember all the detail about the editorial interference but they were the two stories they interfered with the most yeah and oh look they're the worst horrible but That's- some of the moments that occur when him and John Romita Jr. are on the book, the 9-11 issue, incredible. Um, I enjoyed the Moreland Ezekiel story. I, I, that was fun mystery. I, seeing Spider-Man fight someone he doesn't know how to beat is always great. Yeah. Um, the conversation. It was a different take. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The, on the origins of his powers yeah it was it was a interest and it was i like when a writer comes in and notices something that's always been there but we've never seen and uses it yeah. in a cool way like that was like okay you, you're revisiting something and building on it not revisiting something and shitting all over it but <laughs> that's a story for another day we won't we probably don't even talk we might save that for another day our story for another day <laughs> episodes <laughs> um but the moments that he has with uh, Aunt May, it's just like, oh, the weight off your shoulders as a longtime Spider-Man fan is just so nice. It's funny because, like, I, I mean, one of the most popular things, I let people have a uh, their little whinging session the other week. If you could use an Infinity Gem to change one thing, yeah, what would it be? And one of them was Aunt May should have stayed dead with Amazing Spider-Man 400. I agree. And I kind of agree. I agree. Um when they brought her back, we gained nothing. We gained nothing. She's like, oh yeah, she is an annoyance. Um, God, I wish she was still dead. And that's like, that's bad for a character. <laughs> right. But then they get to that issue, like, JMS modernized it. He started to gradually chip away at that ridiculous near death. Like, why isn't she dead? Mm-hmm. She, she's been on the verge of death since 1962. <laughs> yeah, he really <laughs> did something. Guy. Yeah, he gave her life. He breathed, he breathed a breath into her lungs. Yeah. Which just, yeah. She's ultimately a different character, but you would, he did it in, he did it the right way. Yeah. You yeah. didn't even really notice it until it was kind of too late and you go, oh, crap. oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, she's, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Even, I mean, I'm at the point now where they're living in Avengers Mansion or Avengers Tower and, you know, that whole part of her life is interesting too and i love yeah. seeing peter having to adjust with her whenever she's 
making a new friend, finding yourself in a relationship, it's always fun to see how Peter interacts with that. Yeah. And this is a good one. The one in Avengers Tower is a good one. It's an interesting one, actually. Yeah. It's like, yeah. huh, that's that's interesting that they did that. It almost like, how do you not do it? Or, or well, if you took those it. two characters back in time to like the early 80s, that would be a bit weird. Right? Yeah, it's true. You're right. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, it, it's funny how you read Aunt May in the 70s and, and 80s and like, how is she not dead? And then when you yeah. read her, when you read her in the JMS run, you're like, yeah, you know, she's she's a she's not that old, I guess. Was she just no. a, was she a forty year old when Peter when you know when Uncle Ben died? Like, why was she so frail all the time? Why was she an old age home? She looked like she'd been raised from the dead. She looked like she was eating one of those sour gummies yeah. constantly. Like <laughs> her face looked like a dog's ass. Um, a lot of the times, like it was a constantly inverting. Yeah, yeah. When, when is her head, her face going to disappear into her own head? She was just so unrealistically old. Doctor Octopus gets with her, like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's that? What's yeah. he doing? Does that count as necrophilia? It's oh, just weird, right? Yeah, some weird stuff. Yeah, didn't think we were going to talk about necrophilia on a Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> That's the thing with the character, right? You can, <laughs> it goes everywhere. He's been buried. He's been buried alive, you know. So, okay. Um, is it your turn? It's your turn. I'm done with my JMS. What is it? Yes. Um, I'm gonna pick. When you consider what they've done with it, this might come. This might sound a bit like an odd, a bit of an odd choice, but go with it. Uh, I'm gonna pick Amazing Spider-Man 290. Up. just run freeze 290 up go with whatever you like so basically it's the the initial storyline when he proposes to mary jane then you've got the wedding then you've got the post-wedding bit where they are just kind of again they're slummish she's she's this, this i had a struggle with him marrying a supermodel because he's meant to be the hard luck hero and he marries a supermodel but i like that about him though. <laughs> but that's the cool thing is that sometimes he wins that's the that's the thing I like. What I, what I kind of liked about the way they did it initially, though, is that they kind of brought her down with him. Yeah. Because you know? they they were living in a really crappy flat. Yes. Um, and this her first experience of being married to Spider Man. Right. Is then Craven's last hunt. Right. 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 So you've kind of got some context there. You've kind of got his her like she's not sure she should do it. She knows what she's marrying into, but does she? Is this going to be tough? And it isn't about it's about the the characters again. It's more about the characters than anything else. And then you have the wedding. Nothing's really going smoothly for them. And then she's gone from supermodel to living in this crappy flat, waiting for him to come home. And oh my god, is he dead? It's been over a week. I know. That's, you know, that is where it worked better, I think. Like yeah. when they start going like, oh, I'm a big actress now and I'm going to be in the next Arnold Schwarzenheimer movie. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, and that kind of happens a bit later, by which point you could probably, you know, we've got to give them some room to, for success. But um, yeah, if you jump on there, you have Craven's Last Hunt, then you have some kind of okay issues and then you have the introduction of Venom in 300 and then the whole Todd McFarlane run and I mean your web and spectacular issues around there weren't great so you know stick with amazing 
and you've just got some great comics. You you get into some, there's some random stories in there, like the assassination. What's it called? The assassination plot. Um, it goes into the cosmic Spider-Man storyline. It's some pretty weird. Like if they announced a lot of those stories now, the internet would go absolutely not. Right? Ab- no, cosmic what? Why yeah. is he getting new powers? Back then, you just went. We're going to do a thing. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. happening? Let me follow it. Yeah, and that was classic. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> no, so, it's a good. Pick. It's an interesting era. Yeah, the McFarlane era, especially, just it, it looks like a Spider Man you'll recognize. It'll be him being married to MJ. And it's, it's a, it's an interesting era. You're right, because I reread those stories and I enjoy them, but they're just like quick hits, it feels like. It doesn't feel like necessarily, it's more the soap opera aspect of it that's going on instead of like a yeah. storyline. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't necessarily even go, I'm going to, like, um, burn through these issues. So I'm going to read, like, from 301 to 330. You probably would do it sporadically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's a nice kind of between other stuff. Yes. I'm yes. just going to read, like a, like a palate cleanser. Yes. No, yeah. It's a, it's <laughs> but, a good way to put it. But they're still, like, classic stories. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. And actually, you know, I... This is something we'll disagree on, but I did like Jerry Conway's uh, spectacular Spider-Man run with Sal Buscema. I did enjoy those stories with Tombstone, and I know you're not a fan of Buscema's art, but Buscema during that time from Jerry Conway going into JMD, that's a that's a good era of Spider-Man for me. I couldn't hold to it. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, they had Alex. Got a surname check again. Sabiak. Yeah. Sabiak. Yeah. On web. Which just felt very dated, and I thought Sal Bosman was very dated, and the writing seemed much more dated. And then he jumped over to Amazing, and it was Todd McFarlane, yeah, and Venom, and that issue three one six cover where he's that was my first my first proper American Spider Man comic, and that was the comic that made me buy comics properly from then on, and not UK reprints. Amazing Spider Man three one six is my first proper issue, and he's Venom is leaning over a potentially dead or very injured Spider-Man. It's just such an incredible cover. Um, <laughs> and then you go, oh, here's a very blocky Spider-Man doing some kind of boring things. And oh, here's some drama. Um, MJ's cousin with an eating disorder is moving in. Where's this going to go? I'm like, I, <laughs> why Why am I supposed to care? I don't know her. No, nothing. No issue with like, I don't care about people with eating disorders. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> before anyone gets uptight um it's that's not it but it just kind of i didn't feel like it went anywhere and then i think where did they have the smoking plot did the smoking plot come from no i think that was an amazing actually it it just didn't it seemed to kind of meander for me and i wasn't that keen okay on those issues but amazing i thought was yeah i hope I, i hope they do um at least a collection of some sort of of the uh, Mateus spectacular run. There's some good stuff there. I'm desperate to read that because we've we've talked about it so many times. And I think um there was a there was a Marvel UK series that reprinted all four titles every month. Mm-hmm. Um, Exploits of Spider Man or something. I think it was called. Um, and they just got to that when I dropped it because I was basically reading the same comics again. My mum was thanks, mum. My mum was buying them for me. Been like I've already got these. <laughs> um, <laughs> apart from the spectacular ones 
but yeah, I was I started reading them and then I kind of dropped it. And now looking back, I was thinking like that would have been the point where I would have started reading that run. So yeah. I've I've never had a chance to read it. Yeah, I hope they do. I think I think it'll that particular section of stories will if they put it in in some JMD Spider Man omnibus, it'll be a wonderful collection because he he does the death of of Harry Osborn. Spoilers. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the no words on the page and you feel every moment of it. It's so good. And then the uh the revisit to Craven's Last Hunt with Vermin, the story of Vermin. Wow. Just so good. That's I, the I, reason why I want to read it. Yeah. Sequel to Craven. Like <sighs> And it, and it isn't even it's just more the 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 Vermin's part of the story. Yeah. That is like and you don't think of him as a Spider-Man villain, really? I think he's a Captain America villain? He, yeah, well, initially, he, I think he first appeared in Marvel Team-Up. Did he first? No, he didn't. He first appeared in Captain America, I think. And then then that story was followed up in an issue of Marvel Team-Up. And then he sort of transitioned over to being a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. Well, mostly, again, because of JMS, though. So that was the thing. When you have people jump around to different titles, they go, yeah. I'm going to bring back that character I was trying to do somewhere. Right. So he brought... Venom, um, Vermin back in, and that's what he tended to do. But he's not. This is again, it's like this is the simplicity that we've kind of gone back to with the films. I think is where it's superheroes, and we haven't been using that term that much, like, you know, in the last few decades. And like, who's Vermin's the villain? Like, he's not a villain. He's been turned into a human rat by Baron Zemo. Yeah, that's not a villain. Yeah, he's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. his fault. Yeah. Exactly, and that's that's interesting because like then like when he does get beaten down, like it's it's not fair, and he can't do that to him, so it presents a whole different dilemma. That's great. That's a perfect Spider-Man villain. Yeah, who's not a villain? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. Uh, hot take: I think uh, Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery is better than Batman's. Everyone puts Batman's up there. I say Spider-Man has the best, bar none, in all of comics. Very Spider-Man biased. Yeah, it's a mix. And and this is my argument. Who is Batman's number one villain? I, I don't want to say the joke. Right. Who's Spider-Man's number one arch nemesis? Well, either Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus, Venom, Hobgoblin. <laughs> exactly. The Vulture. Who, like, any of... The, and... and I would argue, for me, I would be like, I think it might be Doc Ock, who is his arch nemesis, because he literally took him over, right? The way oh, that it was written. Stuff was yeah, you know. So, is there any is there any uh, bigger victory over Spider Man than Doc Octopus taking over Peter Parker's body and and be, and becoming a better Spider Man than he was? Like, whoa. That was good. So good. That was good, right? I know. Mm. Um, so, Wait, yeah. Why isn't there an omnibus of that? I don't know why. There will be. There will it's, it's be. It's so obvious. Do it's, it. It's, it's so obvious. It's bad enough for waiting on Uncanny X-Men 5. I know. Why isn't there a superior Spider-Man omnibus? I don't know. I don't know. Or even just, like, big time. You know, you can split those in two. Speaking of. Speaking <laughs> of. Um, is it... Your turn or my turn? Is it you? That's my, okay. I thought it was you. Okay, I've done I'm gonna, three. I'm going to go with... Um, this is controversial. 
because the only reason it exists is because the worst Spider-Man story is told. But I'm going to say Brand New Day. Not because everything in Brand New Day is my favorite stuff. It's just a fresh start. So if you go to the, a comic book shop or a bookstore, wherever you get books, Amazon, whatever you do, and you look for Brand New Day Volume 1, you can start reading Spider-Man there almost fresh. It's like a fresh decade of getting into this character and, and his life has restarted. He's no longer married. It's a status quo you might be familiar with. Okay, And if you stick with it, you're going to get to some really fun Spider-Man stuff. And down the line, you get to big time. But it starts there. I would probably jump ahead to big time. Because big time is on my list. Yeah, mine too. Um, we can we can go back and forth with this one. We could do a double here. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Because, I mean, even then, big time, which starts at issue uh, 648 of Amazing Spider-Man, you get 52 issues, and then you get Superior Spider-Man. And then, while I didn't like the relaunched Amazing Spider-Man after that, by about issues, what was this, uh, eight, nine, I can't remember now. Yep. I should know, probably. You get Spider-Verse. Yeah. So, like, that is a massive chunk yeah. of, with the odd dip here and there, just really just great Spider-Man stories. Really, yeah, it really is. That's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, and you only get it, be unfortunately, because they did One More Day. You get to have those Spider-Man stories and those newer characters and love interests and revisiting of, of love interests. Like, so many different things that you get to try again with characters that you may not have been able to do. I just, tangent, I just hated how they went about restarting it. I just, there's so many other things you could have done. A time travel story where he he you know gets in the way of himself getting married like that would have been enough. This was just we, we, we could have we would have still bitched about it, but it wouldn't have been as bad as we would have bitched about it because for one me, I I like Peter Parker being but, married. Yeah, one more day. Yeah, I prefer him. I being would have married. taken married. Yeah, over that. Yeah, uh, I don't feel he needs to be a bachelor. It has to be uh, de-aged no. all the time. I like that you see him get older. I. I think some of the best Spider-Man stories, not Spider-Man, but Spider-Man related, is uh, Spider-Girl from Tom DeFalco. Seeing Peter Parker older with a daughter, still married. Like, I like knowing that that happens to him. That's cool to me about the character. That's why people are so keen on Renew Your Vows. They kind of rewarded people with Renew Your Vows during Secret Wars, and it was popular enough that they continued it as a series. It didn't last that long, I don't think. I didn't read it. I didn't read it past Secret Wars. Surprise. Um, it was cute. But yeah, it was nice. Because they, they, nice they went back to what would have been the May's early days, you know, I guess, because it's a young... Um, what was she called, mate? I don't even know. This is how... It's not It's not something I've read, so I'm not going to like go, it's great, definitely jump on it. But there is, an, there is a desire for that there. People do want to see where his life goes. I think if you constantly reset him, because you're not just, you're not resetting his age, time is still moving forward for him, by which point he he's becoming an irresponsible, immature adult. Yeah. And that's contrary to the character. So then like post-Superior Spider-Man, when he kind of, spoilers, 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 Let's that business go to pieces and all those people essentially lose their jobs. Oh, Pete, where's the responsibility? Mm -hmm. 
You know, that's where I have a problem with them trying to keep him young. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 thing of play with the toys and then put all the toys back to square one again. I get it, but I think that's the charm of the what became I guess the mess of Spider Man lore where you get into the clone saga and all that nonsense, but you're going along with this character and some parts of his life are going to be unpleasant in the storytelling of it. But that's kind of what makes you stick with him. Yeah. Is that I don't know if that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah, like even in the dips, you stick with it. You know that it's a it's a person telling the story, making it up, but for some reason you feel it's moving linear in linear time. Yeah. You're invested in him. You're invested in him. Yeah. <clears throat> that's any great character. Like what was it someone said? Oh, it might have been Clint Mansell. Was it Clint Mansell? No, I mean, we might have been talking about The Simpsons. I read an interview with Clint Mansell, who's now like a composer on films like, um, uh, he was on The Fountain, The Wrestler. I can't think of the more recent stuff he's done. But he used to be in what was my favourite band when I was a teenager. But he does loads of film soundtracks and he's like award winning. But I remember reading this interview with him where he was talking about the impacts of Gwen Stacy's death on him as a when he was younger. And it's that whole thing of like, if they hadn't done that, like, they did that. They actually went ahead and did it. It's shocking. And it upset a lot of people. And they didn't go 50 issues later. This, well, they sort of did try and look as if they were undoing it by bringing in a clone. But they didn't ultimately bring her back. They stuck with what they'd done. You know? And it's like, that's what you need. To eat. That's how he continues to grow this is his story and these terrible things will keep happening to him and there'll be ups and there'll be downs but that is real life but if you if you just constantly go yeah but let's make him like he's 18 again like, yeah but he's probably about 45 yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a bit pathetic yeah and i and i that's that going you know backtracking when jms did write him i felt like yeah this guy's he's in his 30s now he's writing him that way He's been married for a little bit. I liked seeing that character kind of do that. But, um, yeah, going back to Brand New Day and, and Big Time, you know, the the character's historic or his mythology, his fictional history, has those dips that kind of mirror the publishing. But you stick with it because you always feel like it bounces back. Yeah. Right? It's kind of weird yeah. how they mirror each other. It never goes away, even when it sucks. Right? And Spider Man sucks yeah. sometimes. It's it's gone through. Yeah, some, you know. They all do, and they all will. I yeah. mean, that was one of the problems I think with producing four titles a month. Of course. How much of it was going to be top notch, really? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and um, that was a bad. Surprisingly, move. sometimes they it what they were all kind of maintaining sometimes sometimes they were all kind of good yeah there were times there were definitely times but it there were times when you couldn't understand how it was selling at all yeah yeah across the board yeah but it used i still stuck with it i think the only reason i stopped reading spider-man in the 90s for a bit was just because i was 18 <laughs> and i wanted to go drinking right you know? right 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 but i came back i came back and you i came back do. in the Clone Saga. Ooh. Yeah. So, well, I think it was on. It was during Onslaught, so it was like late Clone Saga. That was the Clone Saga era was when I really 
for some reason, uh, appreciated Spider-Man and cared what was happening in his life, even though I couldn't keep up with it. I had uh, uh, an older cousin of mine who was a big Spider-Man fan. And I remember him picking up whatever he could get his hands on from the comic book shop within the area that he lived and just look at this one. And it was just like the the, the one with the clones where you pull back the cover. It was like a, a hundred of them on there. The acetate one. Yeah. The maximum clonage. It was like alpha, alpha clone. Oh, maximum maximum clonage, clonage alpha, that's it. That's it, yeah. That's and I was it. like, right. what is happening with this character? And then you, you, I remember a kid at school was, was every day going to the newsstand, waiting for Spider-Man 400, 400, going every day, waiting for this issue to drop because something big was going to happen. And then it hit the stands and we both just stood there and looked at it. I, I couldn't buy it, but he had money saved from, you know, weeks just waiting to get this book and it had the tombstone cover and it yeah. was just a bombshell of an issue. It was that, was, that was Demetrius as well. That was Demetrius, yeah. Nobody writes a death in Spider-Man's life like he does. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Great issue. And I remember just that whole time. I, I don't know what it was like for you to get back into it at that. If it felt like, oh, these are horrible stories. Or if it was just as exciting as it was for me to see my cousin come home with, with books like that. I mean, because it was so late. There, there was, they were trying to save it. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to introduce the idea that Peter might actually not be a clone again. Oh, okay. Of, you know, that Ben wasn't the real thing. I was kind of trying to figure out so who who is at this point. But they had Jr. Jr. on Spider Man with some incredible covers alone, which made me just go, I need all of this. They had Steve Scrooge on Amazing, who is I love Steve Scrooge more his older stuff from that era than his modern stuff. Um. How else did they have? I think they lost Sal Booster when they had Luke Ross, I think, or was it? Yeah, he was about familiar. to jump on. And I can't. What what's what title have I missed? Oh, it was Sensational, which was okay. No, Waringo jumped on then. What amazing artists. I couldn't <laughs> give a shit what was happening in the story. I was just made up to be looking at Spider Man stuff I wanted to look at. Yeah, I was yeah. pouring over it. Yeah, this is yeah. great. And then they kind of did revelations. Yeah. Um, and then they went, right, because I, I almost <laughs> suggested the post-revelations era because that's the stuff that then leads into the Howard Mackey's. But like, they brought back Norman, like, oh, should you have done it? But those issues when he came back, he's not really the Green Goblin. He's Norman Osborn, and he is messing with him yeah. in a completely different way. And I was, I was having a great time reading Spider-Man again. So, I mean, thanks, Clone Saga. I know that it was a mess at times but it it re it brought me back it brought me back it just out of sheer curiosity but it was right at the end so i kind of didn't suffer through and too much of the oddness and, until we much later and i bought all the issues anyway i I'm haven't sucker. read any of those ben riley era when he takes over as spider-man i've never read any of that there's some nice stuff in there and a lot of it is because the art looks yeah just so and I'm, gosh darn I pretty think... and his costume's cool I keep now I'm I'm getting like a I, I guess I need to read that because the Ringo era of art and J that's an era of JRJR that I haven't I know he was on it he's he just always seems to be around like Spider-Man adjacent yeah. for some reason so yeah I don't know 
We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll buy them digitally. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy them maybe digitally to give them a taste to just see if I enjoy it before I, I, I invest too deeply into it. Um, but yeah, I think... If I anyone think... is thinking of it, definitely get the trades because it sorts the order out for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's four titles a month in miniseries. You have annuals. to get them collected for sure. Yeah. Um. You got top three Spider-Man writers that come to your mind? Other than Stanley, like yeah, yeah, okay, Stanley's the man. But other than that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick Stanley. Well, I haven't read Stanley. So that's I what I mean. Like, yeah, it's automatic. I think even though I haven't read as much of Zimateus as I'd like, it's hard not to include him because the first story I think of is um, Craven's Last Hunt. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's difficult because like there, it doesn't matter who I pick; they've had highs and lows. They're yeah. so severe. Like Dan Slott did Superior, but and a lot of the time, like, Superior was great. Spider Verse was great. There were other bits in in his his issues where I thought, like, "What are you doing, mate? You, what are you thinking?" And so it's hard to say, like, "Yeah, Dan Slott, yeah," because actually, no, I don't know. I actually don't have an answer. And if anything, I think like I have potentially have an answer, but it is my number five. So I'm not going to spoil it, but um, I don't really have a, a chosen Spider-Man writer. I, th- I, th- I think it's because largely I'll pick and choose stories that I like. Yeah. And often they'll end up being different people. It's, it's kind of hard not to say Roger Stern as well, I guess, because would I think of him immediately? Not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I just think of those issues. I don't even necessarily think that was the Stern era. That was when he jumped up. Like Tom DeFalco did some fun stuff. I wouldn't go Tom DeFalco. What a great Spider-Man, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking of some of the stuff he did that wasn't so good. When part of that is editorial decisions again. Right, right. I don't know. Paul, Paul, we've mentioned Paul Jenkins. He did. There was such nice stuff in there. Was it perfect? Then would I go like, yeah, let's get Paul Jenkins on and I'd come back. I can't, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you have a three? I have a three. And... I think uh, maybe a, a alternate for a four just because of how much I've read that I know was uh, things I've enjoyed. So my three would be Roger Stern, Jerry Conway, and uh, JMD, DeMatteis. Those would be my three who I feel they, they get Peter. I feel like Jerry Conway was writing Peter Parker as the closest person who was peter parker at that time of life like he was writing him at the same age that he was so so much of who's in peter parker's dna during that time is like it comes from jerry conway's real life right even just the killing of gwen he he said like that's stan lee's girl that's not who the young guys wanted stan lee based her off his wife Gwen Stacy was like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. If you look at who his who his his wife was a beautiful I think blonde. I remember reading something about that. Yeah. yeah, and he had a he had a preference to Gwen, right? He didn't want them to kill Gwen because she was the good, she was the right girl. Mary Jane was like, not the right girl. But Jerry Conway was saying, as yeah. young guys, we wanted to go out with Mary Jane. That's the girl we wanted yeah. to date. She was fun. She's what Peter needed. We didn't need Stanley's wife, essentially. <laughs> So I like that knowing how close in, you know, age and proximity of, of life at the time that Jerry Conway is with when he was writing that character. And and he whenever he revisits it, I feel like, yeah, he gets him. 
Like he knows the guy. And same with with uh, Demetrius. Like nobody will get to the heart and the psychosis of of that character like he would. Even I asked a couple times um, people who were his contemporaries. I think Howard Mackey, Tom DeFalco, maybe Ron Friends. And I asked them who they thought the best Spider-Man writer was other than Stanley, and they all said JMD. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Tom DeFalco said, goes, other than Stan, he goes, and Roger Stern, was, but he goes, uh, Demetrius, Mark Demetrius, because he was the best. Yeah. That's basically even more surprising that we haven't seen a collection. I think edition. every, even he's surprised. Even he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah. We're all we're all rooting for it, but uh, yeah, this yeah, this, those, those three guys. And my fourth would be Dan Slott, only because he he did Spider Island, did Big Time, Superior. You know, Superior Spider Man's a classic. Spider Verse, I liked. I even liked the Clone Conspiracy, even though it's a bit messy. I he he did a lot. He he, he a long time on that character and was you know giving us a lot of good stories all in all so i put them in the fourth slot yeah no overall i think it, it's fair more there's more great st- and it's great stuff it's not even good stuff it's great spider island was so much fun and he added i don't care how silly it is but that's the point yeah yeah he made the best of comics one of the one of the phrases i really i know, I know i say this sporadically i've probably said it on here a thousand times i hate when people say you know, because comics, when they refer to something being stupid or crap in yeah. comics, yeah, yeah, it, it angers me. It's like saying, yeah, because you know, comics are essentially crap, right? We all know this. No, crap comics are crap. Yeah, you just like crap movies. You can are still crap. have stupid stuff happen, but it's yeah. fun. It's just the kind of stories you can tell in comics, but you can't necessarily tell in films. Exactly. Closest thing might be animation. That'd be the closest for a Which comic. One, a comic adaptation. Sometimes the closest essence would be animation. Where you might yes. capture it, but even yeah. then, sometimes something's missing. Yeah, it's like when I don't know that the idea of people shouting "Avengers Assemble." I still can't. I just find that a bit weird when I hear people say that on screen. <laughs> it just sounds too cheesy, but it works on the page. Yes, yeah. I like that they saved it for one moment. Like you got it. Yeah. Okay, you happy, you geeks? I was happy. <laughs> I'm one of the geeks. Uh, I don't know what number we're on. Um, but I'm definitely I, on my last. I, I don't know if you've done. I think I'm on my. I think I'm on my last two. All right, go go last for two. it. Last two. It's you then. It's you. No, no. It's last two. You 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 go out because you went first, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll go. But go we can, ahead. We can still I don't have that. another one. Mine's a cheat. Cheat. Cheat away. Yeah, it's a cheat. So it's Ultimate Spider-Man. That's um, mine too. So that's my. Is next it? Pick. Yeah, that's my next <laughs> pick. Yeah. So in terms of recommending it to new readers, it's, I don't use phrases like no-brainer, but that's exactly what it is. It gives new readers a modern take on Spider-Man from scratch. Very little continuity issues in terms of it bouncing into other titles or effects of the rest of that Ultimate Universe on that series until Ultimatum, but okay, not even going to delve into that too much. That's around issue 130. That's a big chunk of, of story. And that's Brian Michael Bendis. Actually, um, Planet X-Men, who I chat to occasionally um, on Instagram, he he read Ultimate Spider-Man based on my recommendation. And he went, I hate his dialogue. 
I hate Bender's dialogue and I can't get past it. Like, I totally appreciate that. He's not going to win with everybody. And I can see why it annoys them, like, the, the patter. But to me, that's like, a lot of it is, is how people speak and the way they bounce off each other. And they go, no, 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 hear me out for a second. I know he might do it too much sometimes, maybe. I don't think it's too much. I'm happy with the way he does it. But it feels like real people talking. When he gets to issue 13, a little bit of a spoiler, he gets to issue 13, and Peter, who is a 15-year-old boy who's just got superpowers and is Spider-Man, decides to just tell the girl that he wants to impress, that he's Spider-Man. Isn't that what you do? Right? <laughs> it's perfect. And he, he does quip and he does joke, and it is about the awkwardness of it. But it's got that modern spin. And and it works. And it, he doesn't... I mean, apart from the Green Goblin, he doesn't tweak the villain's too much but he kind of makes them connected like Dr. Octopus is connected to Osborne um, he works for him um, you know they, they kind of tie in this kind of conspiracy theory element through the ultimate universe which I, I quite liked because it was of that time it was 2000 it was 2000 I think 2001 either or um, but yeah I mean I put a reading plug I put a reading order together for that entire run on one page all the Peter Parker, ultimate Peter Parker stories, one page that tells you what you can read if you want to get absolutely everything. When he appears in Ultimate X-Men, when he appears in Ultimate Avengers, but you mostly don't need to. That is my most visited page um, because it's just such an easy, it's an easy win. You get to read Spider-Man from the beginning and not go, God, why is everyone saying everything's hip? Or, you know, like, why is this, Dialogues are out of date. It's because it's written in the 60s. This is written in the 2000s. Um, and it's fantastic. And I can't speak hardly enough of it. And if you're going to go to someone like, you know what, I love Spider-Man. I want to get you into comics to show you what it's about. Give them ultimate. I've done it a number of times. I bought that the first book as a, as a present for people, whether they've actually read it or not, I don't know. They've told me they have. <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's easy. It's easy access to that character. The first arc is it's good. The second arc is better. The third arc is fantastic. It, it improves and improves and improves. And you care about Peter Parker. He did. He nailed it. I love that so, series. I love it. It's too good, isn't it? Yeah. For me, it was a, a book that I had a lot of catching up to do when I started reading it. Um, I had gone back. Did you into- start? I had gotten back into comics in 2006, 2006 and seven, right around the time of Infinite Crisis and Civil War was oh, happening. Yeah. It was a cool time yeah. to get back into to comics. I had disposable income, a real job, like a full-time job I just started. So I could, you know, start collecting and, and get, there was a lot of number ones happening because everything was like a soft reboot, right? So... I'm an adult now. I need comics. Yes, exactly. No more shame. I have a girlfriend, I have a job, and I collect comics. So what? <laughs> I don't need to impress nobody. But um Yeah, it was it was I think uh 2006 and there were a bunch of trades already on the shelf to read. So I I had picked up a the, the volume 1 of that series just at the the front of the register. They had like a kind of banged up copy of it for four dollars five dollars 
was it was like an easy easy purchase like yeah I'll, I'll read that for that much i really enjoyed the pacing the modernization of it the mark bagley art i recognize i'm like this is yes. this is spider-man right i remember this from when i was in the 90s when i was a kid i recognize the artwork but they this is a peter parker who's new to the job and he's got the internet like this is interesting you know um and I just read all of these trades, just whenever I could get find them, I just read it in one sitting, every single time, because they just you cared about the uh, progression of the story, and there was like you right this this through line of how everyone seemed intertwined and connected, and it reminded me a little bit about the of the you know '90s TV show where relationships weren't the way they were in the comics, but the what was tweaked was like that's a good way to tweak it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Oh, that's a cool way to to make Venom kind of mean a little bit more than just a monster character with a dumb vendetta. Like that's actually a good, a better version of Venom, in a way. Yeah, it was like he took I think what he was, was menacing. Good. He was yeah, he was freakily menacing. Yes, I know it wasn't necessarily the because I know a lot of people say like yeah, but he doesn't need the big teeth and the tongue. Yeah, but okay, fine. He's had that for years, get over it. Um, but they just went for it in that. And it was like, this is a horror film now. <laughs> yeah. You know, this isn't the supervillain thing. This is this is a horror film. You know? That was yeah, I love that. I love those issues. And and so much of what I learned about um the Marvel universe or who I would become kind of interested in was through the ultimate universe, which was in many ways different. They were they were mirror images, but sometimes very tweaked but enough that they were recognizable with it like even it was... even even um the modernization of like aunt may and then when he lives with yeah. when he lives with his amazing friends like it's it's all of these little cool nostalgia yeah. moments that just make sense you know yeah completely i, I love her confrontation i'm not even going to spoil the line i love the line but when J. Jonah Jameson phones up. He's trying to find him. He's trying to find Peter. And he phones up the house, I think. Or she trying to find Peter. I can't remember either or, but she has a conversation with J. Jonah Jameson on the phone. And she just like put down, boom, and then hangs up on him. Like, where was this Aunt May when we needed her all this time? Yeah, she was I think hip- that heavily influenced the changes that JMS did. Yeah. Made to the character. Yeah, I think so. And and it makes I think the uh current spider-man and the cinematic version with you know a hot aunt may with marissa tomei almost like i guess where they're going I, like you know aunt may in the ultimate universe was kind of a cool chick she wasn't yeah. this little ex-hippie yeah exactly like, she? yeah she knows what it is to have fun yeah right which is which was a nice change but man there's so there's so much fun to look back on on ultimate spider-man and it is a, yeah. it has a, an end. It does have an end. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, 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 and where it picks up, where the pieces pick up, it's in such a, a refreshing way. Like that's where the the continuing and the passing of the mantle is really done, right. I much prefer DC do it more, don't they? But they, I much prefer the legacy idea 
Yes. Than just let's keep that character going. And that's where we come back to that thing of like, let's try and keep him young. I don't keep him young. Give it to someone else who's young. Yes. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, that was, I think, was as I, mean, I remember all the, the hype about it. A friend of mine messaged me saying, What are they doing to him? Are you reading this? No, but I'm angry. <laughs> but you, what, how, how do you get a say? Like, it's. How can you be angry about this and you don't know what's going on? You don't know what, how they're playing it. I, I liked how they played it. It took me a while to, to warm to Miles. Um, but when I eventually did, that's when they stopped the series of Secret Wars for a bit. Oh, Damn God. it. I was just getting there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like that he okay. he's become such a... Um, he, he's a legitimate mainstay and, and well-known character in the Marvel Universe now. And I, that excites me. It's like, don't just... Make a new character, and it can be done. And the new character can have its own video game. Just do that. Yeah. You'll be surprised yeah. how many people will actually like it. You know, I, I, I think it was the ultimate universe of Spider-Man and where it branches off into, it's a really, really great spoke in the tire of, of yeah. that mythology. So, if again, some of the ones we mentioned as we, we go through our list of, like, Beginner, reader-friendly, somewhat Spider-Man books. We got Spider-Man Blue from Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. You recommended Roger Stern. Yeah. The the entire run, not just the Hobgoblin stuff. As much as you want, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think you can stay on that for a good while if you want to. Okay. I agree. I think that's that's that was on my list as well. A lot of we had doubles, so we we kind of. I thought um, we might. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, for, I erased the ones that I listed. We put Ultimate Spider-Man, which we just talked about now. There were some random ones. I mean, I had that Peter Parker series. We, yeah. we whether I mean, the thing is, I, I'm not a fan of um, uh, Brand New Day, but you're right in terms of like so a lot of the characters that were introduced during that are big. They have big roles during big time. Right. Onwards. So Brand New Day was six... Uh, no, it was five forty six. I think big time is a long way further down the line. Was six forty eight. So there's a lot of issues there, but um, that's when I think it really started to improve. But like, oh, I've forgotten her name. Oh, damn it! But a lot of those support characters are introduced during that run. Yes, a lot and, of his world like, is rebuilt starting from Brand New Day. Yeah, he also had events like well, not events. It wasn't an event. It was a series of battles like with the Gauntlet. Yeah, there were some like good fun. So I think they, for me, I think it started to improve with new ways to die. Okay. Um, but I can't hundred percent remember it that well. Same time, but yeah, I mean, that is a big chunk of comics to be able to read. Great. Yeah, no. Start it, it, on there. Have fun. Yeah, agreed. The JMS, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, and John Romita Jr era of spider-man i think is a very strong place you could start where a lot of your spider-man tropes are are present but also updated and and upgraded for you know newer stories to be told which i enjoyed during that time and the art is just beautiful there's a lot of good places to start uh i hope everyone if you do watch the movie and you see all of the multiverse collapse on itself feel feel brave enough to go and pick up spider-verse like these they're fun for a reason you're excited to watch these movies for a reason because the comics are better 
That's the point of this conversation. <laughs> yes. Comics are better. <laughs> Comics are better. Deal with it. I mean, no knock on people who love the movies. Enjoy the movies. But when you see grown men in their thir- late 30s and 40s still reading this stuff and talking about it, there's a reason. It's cool. There is. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, right? And they say. It's not just habit. Yeah, and you, it saved your ass from getting yeah. beat up by a book. Like, it literally saved a couple of lumps, man. <laughs> change your life it did God, I forgot <laughs> I'd, I'd shared that moment <laughs> do you have do you have before we wrap up do you have a favorite uh, Spider-Man story all time funny enough what, I was going to ask you a question yeah go which ahead. was going to be do you have a favorite single issue mm, favorite single issue favorite single issue that's hard because I think that would change depending on something I read and I'm like that's the one but um Something that just comes to mind because I read it so much. There is a the beginning of Roger Stern's run, funny enough, with the Vulture issue, where he just break he's breaking out of that uh, nursing home, and Nathan Lubinsky's there, and it's just a really <sighs> silly like comic for kids. But I remember reading that as a as really young, and. Um, it was in one of those Spider-Man magazines where they put like a bunch of issues in one. And that yeah. was one of the stories featured in it. And I just felt like this was such an easy read. The art was smooth. Like when you kind of appreciate the pacing of a story in this format, yeah. that was one that stuck out to me. And it's not that it's my favorite issue all time. It's just one of those like when I see Spider-Man in my when I close my eyes, I can see those scenes from that book. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. How about for you? <laughs> I don't know why, but for me, it's not a Spider-Man comic. Um, it's Deadpool number eleven. Okay. Uh, from the nineteen ninety-seven series, um, in which, and it's probably sacrilege to a lot of people, but basically, they took an old because I haven't read much of those old Stanley, uh, John John Romita issues. And it's highlighting that whole thing of how dated they are, but respectfully, while poking fun. It's great. So Deadpool goes back in time, and he ends up filling in the roles that Peter Parker had in that issue. Um, but he literally comments on, like, because like, Mary Jane is in there. She's, she's put a record on. She's got her, her aunt talking to her neighbor's aunt. She puts a record on, just starts dancing. That's weird. But he's commenting on it, and he's like just being really obnoxious while wearing Peter Parker's face. Um, and in the end, he fights Craven at the end instead, instead of Peter fighting Craven. And I don't think they've ever really like officially gone. That is how it kind of went down. Um, but it's just, it's really, it's such a fun Spider-Man comic. That's not a Spider-Man comic. That's the first one that springs to mind. It's such an odd recommendation. It's not a recommendation. It's just an honest answer. But what it, a weird answer. But it's it's it that issue is that issue because of what Spider Man is, right? Like it works because of the history of that character. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. But you kind of you get the reference. It's and it's so because it's Joe Kelly and he clearly respects that stuff. He's not just going, Look how crap this was. And that's there's that affection in there as well. But it's genuinely really, really funny. Like I laughed out loud reading that comic. Yeah. It's funny. I gotta read that run. Joe Kelly did some some fun Spider-Man stuff actually when during that brand new day era. 
They had a, a, a good... I forgot he was on it. Yeah, there was Mark Wade, uh, Dan Slott, Joe Kelly. There was a couple, like a rotation of writers. Yeah, that, right. And, and sometimes you got some interesting artist-writer combinations during that time, too. I think it was... Yeah. Was it Bachalo? I think it was Bachalo. You got Phil Jimenez yes. on it. Uh, Steve McNiffin was on it yeah. as well. Yeah. It was an interesting Not time. Not doing an event book. Yeah. No, it was an interesting time for the character. It's it's one of those tough pills to swallow, but if you get over it, kind of like the Gwen Stacy death, if you just get over the like the heartbreak, you might enjoy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go to big time. Just go to the big time series is what he's saying. <laughs> Dave, this has been fun. I always have a good time uh, geeking out with you and trying our Likewise. best to get uh, new people to read comics. <laughs> And have fun doing it. Uh, is yeah, anything, no, absolutely. Any, anything you're reading right now that you're really enjoying that you can share with us? Um, I've started reading Justice League Dark, um, which is a bit of a surprise for me because I don't normally like magic stuff. But I've read the first story arc, and it's it's, you know, it's, it's going somewhere. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I have fun reading it. Um, yeah. It's yeah. I just I just like this weird mix of characters. So it's quite an it's not a non-team almost. Um, and it's I've got the omnibus on committed. I'm gonna just I'm gonna keep going. But I'm I'm yeah. It's quite oddly darkly fun. So yeah, that's my current read. Um, I did just finish. I, oh, I, I'm currently reading also at the same time Silver Surfer, the Steve Englehart issues of Silver Surfer. Ooh. And I've I've never been a big fan of his stuff, but it's just then then nice comics. Yeah. They're not groundbreaking. Not it's good. not something a lot of people are going to go best Silver Surfer stuff all time. Steve Englehart, like, but it's they're just and that's when he first escapes Earth. So yeah. he'd been stranded on Earth since yeah. Galactus stuck in there in the sixties. This is when he first manages to leave Earth, and it's the Infinity Gems. It's the Elders of the Universe, Galactus. He just goes like, "Let's go big and cosmic right off the bat." Like, it's good stuff. And scrolls, Cree, yeah, all this and Mantis and all this stuff and like, this I is really nice. hope this they give nice. us more. I really hope they give us more of those epics to continue that that stuff because the first one I enjoyed a lot. It made me actually want to uh, invest in the Epic Collection Silver Surfer series because I like those stories. Yeah. You're right; they were good. It's like this is good, interesting, different stuff. And they're, when they're not that cheery. Yeah, no, not always, but where it goes into like the you get to the Jim Starlin stuff later, it's like man, yeah, it starts from Engelhart and you get this later. Like this is a good series yeah. to follow. Exactly, like like when they when they in the Engelhart Thanos uh, the the Starlin Thanos two issue miniseries when he faces the elders with the gems, it's they just had the gems. Um, not long before that, in those earlier issues of that series. Yeah, of Silver Surface, like yeah, it does help. Like I hadn't realized how close it was until I started reading it all together again for the first time. But like, it's just not, it's such fun stuff. The elders are ridiculous. He knows a lot of it's ridiculous, but it doesn't matter. He's having fun with it, yeah. and because he's having fun with it, I'm having fun with it. It's probably the best Steve Englehart stuff I've ever read. Wow, high praise. I don't like much <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean for because he's got some people put his Avengers up there, his Batman stuff up there, but for you it's his, his Silver Surfer. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. I like his. I like the Silver Surfer stuff too. Dave, thank you so much for spending uh, the evening with me again, talking about our 
our favorite stuff. It's always fun and refreshing to, you know, distract ourselves from the madness and, uh, yeah, get into our, our collections and our stories. Thank you, dude. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me back as always. And we'll do it again soon. A story for another day, maybe. All right. Consider it done. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes. Stay safe. And, you know, whatever you're having fun doing, do what makes you happy. Just be safe about it. Bye, everybody.